0: Hello friends and welcome to the Sermon's Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are excited that you are joining us as we enter into the season of Advent and make our way to the celebration of Jesus's birth. This Advent season, we are looking at Emmanuel and asking the question out loud that many of us are thinking, is God with us? You can join us here on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, and of course our website ccgf.org as we explore this question, experience Advent And look to God's word for his promises. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. I can remember the the Christmas of 1984 very well. That was a challenging Christmas for my family. I may have mentioned this previously. My parents worked for Westinghouse here locally for many years. In fact, they both worked almost 45 years on work. And I'm I'm really grateful to have a hardworking example in my family for my parents I picture my dad, I think, in his work attire with his safety goggles on. My dad was a machinist, worked at Westinghouse. There's Dennis, back in the day. Nice beard, Dad. And um, my mom, get this, was a teletype operator. Cutting-edge technology, folks. Look up teletype operator, you'll laugh. Um, they worked there and had a great time, you know, with that as much as he can in work. They worked faithfully. Um, but there were some bumps along the road in those 45 years or so that they worked there, and in particular, I can remember in 1984, the reason that December is so memorable, is not one, but both of my parents lost their jobs in the midst of what was happening in Pittsburgh, if you were alive at that time, you remember this, factory shutting down, both lost their jobs. And, And though I was only 10 years old, just hoping for a Transformer Santa Claus, come on, I can remember that there was like this feeling of tension in our house. In fact, I can vividly remember on on New Year's Eve of 1983, turning the corner in 1984, I can remember as the ball dropped, looking over my shoulder and seeing my mother with tears rolling down her face, weeping, no peace. I mean, you're heading into a year and, and, and neither you nor your spouse has a job, and there were probably a lot of people in the same situation back in 1984. That was a tough time. You know, we, we just got through studying Isaiah chapter 9, this, this most famous of prophecies about the birth of Jesus. And we read there about a time that was dark and gloomy, but a promise that was going to mark a move from gloom to glory. That darkness was going to be turned to light that there was this promise for the people that oppression was going to be turned to freedom, that sorrow was going to be turned to joy. And then we read in Isaiah 9, 6, this. We read these words from the prophet. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is why there's such great hope for the people in darkness. And the government will be on his shoulders. We talked about this means he's king. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I can only imagine that the people who first heard these words, not unlike the people who hear them today, wonder okay, so when is this peace going to come? When will this peace arrive? When will it show up? I mean, think about it. Zebulun and Naphtali. We talked about the inhabitants of this northern Israeli kingdom. And we talked about how they were experiencing incredible gloom. The Assyrians had marched into their cities and devastated their people, taking them into captivity. I have to imagine they were wondering, when will peace arrive? Or how about my mom and dad back in 1984, and anyone else who was in their situation, losing a job, when will peace arrive? I certainly think the people today are wrestling with this question. I mean, you feel the intensity of 2020 when you see it summarized In that video we just saw, there there are people who are part of this church family, who work in the food industry, own restaurants. They might be wondering, when will peace arrive? This has been a tough year. There are people in 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 our church family who are grieving. This past week, we lost one of our founding members, Frank Melnick. Many of you know Frank, and Frank was just one of a kind. What a great, what a faithful man. What a great man. And we're sorry to see Frank pass. I'm sure his family, his wife, Shirley, wondering, when will peace arrive? Those who are struggling in their marriage, wondering, when will peace arrive? People wondering, will things actually ever get better? When will peace arrive? Those in fear, a lot of people in fear, we've talked about this, wondering, when will peace arrive? It's a big question. And I would suggest to you that we're not, of course, the first people to ask this question. In fact, as we pick up in the birth narrative of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 2, I believe we're encountering some people today in the text that Gideon just read for us, where there are people asking a similar question, when will peace arrive? When will peace come? Seeking after peace. And so we're going to pick up today and jump to... Matthew chapter 2 and we're going to talk about these wise men the we three kings the magi and see what we might be able to discern about the coming of peace and what it means to us as we consider this advent and christmas season go there with me now if you have your bible you can open it up to Matthew 2 otherwise you can use the phone in front of you You can read it off the screens we encourage you always to take notes let's begin here by taking a look at some of the players who are part of of this narrative. Verse 1, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. So let's start there with these magi. And, and the magi, you've heard them called wise men. you've heard them called, of course, the kings. Well, which one is it? Well, actually, magi and, and wise men go hand in hand, because magi is a Persian word that would be translated wise men." And so these magi are indeed those who were counted as wise. They were most likely astrologers. they were scientists. they were scholars. And they did come from the east, as we sing about, maybe from Persia, perhaps as far east as China is where they came from. And these Persian or Chinese wise men came not just with three, but perhaps as many as 12 or even as many as 100. We tend to think three, of course, because of the three gifts the gold, the frankincense, or myrrh. But if you read closely, and we have to read Scripture closely, you'll see nowhere is it mentioned three. In fact, most likely they came in a group 12 to 100. And and when did they arrive? When did they come to see Jesus? We see them depicted in the manger scene, right? You see them there with the shepherds, and with Mary and Joseph, and with the donkey. Well, Well, most likely it happened subsequent to the birth, the moment of birth of Jesus, in fact, in the Anglican tradition, and, and many of you know that at Christ Church here, we worship in the Anglican tradition. In the Anglican tradition, there's a day called the Feast of Epiphany. The Feast of Epiphany happens after the 12 days of Christmas on January 6th every year, and it's an observation, it's a, it's a remembrance of the time when the Magi came and saw Jesus, the appearance of Jesus. And and actually, there's prophecies that we can connect to their their arrival. Look at with me with, with at Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. This is amazing how God's word fits together. Look at this, Isaiah 60, verses 1, 2, and 3, speaking perhaps about these magi. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. Darkness, once again, there's that theme. But the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. Who's that sound like? And kings to the brightness of your dawn. It fits perfectly with Isaiah 9, doesn't it? And it speaks about this dawning of one who will shine brightly. Nations will be drawn to that light. Kings, magi, will be brought into the brightness of that dawn. Here's what I love about the Magi. Don't miss this. The Magi were seeking Jesus. They're seeking him. They wanted to find Jesus desperately. In fact, they probably had a treacherous journey, but they would not be, they would not be held back. They wanted to find Jesus. The Magi, to me, they, they remind us that no matter what, no matter what your background is, what your history is, you can seek and find Jesus. I'm looking out here and I know some stories out there. There are broken past. I'm sure online. There are people who are, who are suffering from their history and they feel kind of held back by that. Listen, let the magi be a reminder to all of us. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what your personal history is or your lack of history is. Your lack of pedigree doesn't matter. You can seek and find Jesus. In fact, I would encourage you to do this. You know, we're going to have Christmas Eve services here. Gideon just told us all about them. I would encourage you. Think about some people, perhaps, that don't immediately stand out to you when you think about inviting someone to a church service or to worship with us. Maybe someone you've written off. Maybe someone you think, ah, oh, that person, they're not interested in Christian faith. Uh, they're way too hard-hearted. Their, their lifestyle's way too different than that of, of what a Christian's is. Uh, I probably won't invite them to church. No, that's perhaps the person you should ask to come and worship with us. This king, this baby king born in Bethlehem. Because remember, regardless of your personal history, regardless of where you've been, the Magi remind us that anyone, isn't this good news? Anyone can seek and find Jesus. Maybe that's your story. I hope it's your story. And it can be the story of someone else. Invite someone to come and be a part of these services on the 23rd, 24th, whether online or in person. We'd love, we'd be honored to celebrate Jesus with them. Let's go back to the text. So we've, we've hear about these magi. They were seeking Jesus from an interesting background. Now let's pick up and let's read about Herod again and the priests. These are kind of like the 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 Grinch and the Scrooges of the story. Check this out. It says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where the Messiah was to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah Herod, first of all. So we've talked about the Magi. Now you've got this other player in the story. His name is Herod. This is Herod the Great. Herod was into building projects. In fact, he reconstructed the temple, and it was magnificent. He was an architect at heart, and he's left behind some places that you can still visit today. Herod, though, wasn't necessarily so great in a lot of ways. Herod was a descendant of Esau. Perhaps you remember the name Esau. Esau is found in the book of Genesis. He was the twin brother of Jacob, one of the sons of Isaac. And this is one of his descendants. Esau's got a great story. You should read about Esau. And it's interesting to trace Herod's lineage to Esau. That's one of his descendants, right? And and, and Herod was king of Judea, but he was very, very friendly. He was an ally of Rome. And this, of course is a major detail, because the Romans and the Jews did not get along. This was not a favorable relationship. In fact, it was a terrible relationship. It was an oppressive relationship for the Jews. But Herod, though he had Jewish lineage, he was friendly with with Rome. This guy had been married nine times. He was married nine times. And he was also murderous. We have historical documents that tell us that he had one of his wives killed. He had two of his brothers murdered. And not only that, we learn just in the verses after what we're reading here this morning in Matthew 2, in Matthew 16, that he was seeking to have Jesus killed. Remember the mandate to have all of the baby boys, two and under, murdered? That was Herod's deal. He was murderous. And so Herod was opposing Jesus. The the Magi were seeking Jesus. Herod, on the other hand, he was opposing Jesus. He was threatened by him. You know, it's interesting. Herod's a politician. And he's opposing Jesus. Did you catch the little detail that, that because Herod was distraught, all of Jerusalem was distraught? He was that kind of person. If Herod wasn't happy, ain't nobody happy. Some of you have people like that in your family. Some of you are that person in your family. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're upset, the whole household's not right. By the way, just as an aside, because I could be that way sometimes. Let's check ourselves as we go into the holiday season. Let's be right with the Lord. Let's, Let's seek Him in prayer. If you tend to drift that way, it's an opportunity to say, God, help me with this. Because if I'm not right, I'm going to distract everyone around me. I'm going to mess up everyone's Christmas and holiday season around me. It's a good thing to consider. Herod was like that. Herod was upset. He was distraught. So he was stirring up all of Jerusalem. And he was opposing the work of Jesus. Now let's just stop here for a minute. And let's consider this historically. While Herod was seeking to oppose Jesus, going to the extent of murdering babies, two and under, so he could snuff out Jesus. Let's remember this he was not successful. And that leads us to a really important part, point. Those who oppose Jesus, those who oppose the kingdom of God will never, ever ultimately be successful. Rest in that. You know, there, there, there's lots of people up in arms today about what's happening, and there's good reason to be. And people are being affected by things that are happening in the world today. But mark this, You can't stop Jesus. He's unstoppable. And the work of Jesus will not be stopped. This reminds us of it. So though Herod was opposing Jesus, he wasn't successful ultimately, but that's what he was doing. And and let's be honest. There are some in, in this room perhaps who are opposing the work of God in your life. Even though you're sitting in a church service, even though you're worshiping online, you might be resisting Pushing against the work of God. Undermining the work of God with your own actions. With your own thoughts. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So that's Herod. Okay, Herod's opposing Jesus. The Magi are seeking after him. And then we have the priest. Okay, the priest, the chief, the teachers. Now these were the people who were experts of the law. They knew the law inside out. They actually committed their lives to observing the Jewish Law. This was what they were all about. But yet something very interesting comes to light about these, these men. And it's that they weren't seeking Jesus. In fact, they were ignoring him. I mean, check this out. These priests who go and tell Herod and the wise men what the scriptures say about the Messiah prophesied, where he's going to be born, don't go themselves to find him. They were only five miles. Where they were situated was only five miles from the birthplace of Jesus. I mean, don't you think if you would have been alive as someone who loves the Lord, that if you knew that the birthplace of Jesus was just five miles away, don't you think you would have, you would have found a way to get there? You'd, you'd want to go see. I've got I to witness this. i got to be a part of this moment. These priests, these teachers of the law, knew what the Scripture said. They knew that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And even though they were just five miles away, they chose not to go, as far as we can tell. They ignored the fact that the Son of God, the Messiah, was going to be born in Bethlehem. You know, it reminds me, as we consider this, that there are some even now Maybe you're not opposing God, but you sure might be ignoring the work of God in your life. You might be ignoring God and His Word. These priests, they they were people who had a head full of knowledge. They knew the Scriptures. They could could tell you chapter and verse, so to speak, though they didn't have those references in their Bible. They They could tell you where you can read certain prophecies where you could find bits of information. But here's the, the tragic part. It seems as if their hearts, though, were far from God. And this reminds us, the very people who live nearest to the means of grace are those who neglect them the most. It often could be said that those who are, who are so close to God, just in, in, the, in, in the reach of having the, the things of the Lord at our fingertips are so quick often to ignore Him. I mean, think about it this way. We live in a time where we have the greatest access in human history to the Bible. More translations, more mediums in which we can read it online, a paperback Bible, whatever it might be, right? And yet, if you look at statistics, Bible readings down particularly among Christians. Hey, those who have the the means of knowing God, of of knowing His grace, are also the most likely to ignore Him. Don't write the priest off. Don't say, I can't believe those guys didn't go see see Jesus at His birth. They were only five miles away. Well, listen, we have access too. And so often, I find myself, you might find yourself, ignoring God, and giving ourselves to things that don't matter at all. Knowledge of Scripture in the head and the gift of grace in the heart are two very different realities. And the priests remind us of this. The priests were clearly ignoring Jesus. So we have the Magi who are seeking Jesus. We have the, the, the uh, Herod who's opposing Jesus. And then we have the priests who are ignoring Jesus. And this begs the question, of course, when we read the Scriptures, we not only think about what was happening in the text, but we think about what's happening in our world today. And we have to ask ourselves this, well, who are we? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you chasing after Him? Are you unrelenting in your pursuit of Him? Are you opposing The work of God in your life in some way. I mean, even if you're someone sitting in a church pew, are you opposing the ways of God? Are you ignoring God? Are you just not interested? I think it's a great thing to examine ourselves and see ourselves in the story. And it's a wake up call of sorts on a macro level and a micro level, on a small scale. To say, not only in general in my life, but from moment to moment, I want to be a person who seeks after God, like the Magi. Interesting, that's not the religious people who were seeking after God. They were ignoring them. It was the ones from the East. The ones who didn't have the pedigree or the background. They were the ones who were seeking after the Lord. It's a good challenge for you and me. And, and here's what's amazing. We know that the Magi found him, didn't they? How did they find him? Well, we tend to think of the star, right? We sing about the star in the sky. It's a part of our our Christmas decor. The star, the star is prominent. In fact, by the way, that that star that we believe is the star of Bethlehem is going to be visible tomorrow. It's very rare. But we believe that that star, and it's something to do with Jupiter and Saturn, is going to be visible. Go and check it out online. You can read about it, and maybe you can get a glimpse of it but it wasn't just the star that enabled the magi to find jesus again let's read the scriptures closely how did they find him it wasn't just a star it was also the word of god it was the scriptures i mean what happened the, the magi went to herod herod turned to the priest and the priest said oh yeah we know where he's gonna be born it's right here in the prophecy he'll be born in bethlehem go tell the Go tell the Magi that. And so they got so far with the star, but they couldn't quite find Jesus without the prophecy. Do you get this? Let's just talk for a moment about, about general revelation and special revelation. Let me explain. General revelation. Here's what general revelation is. I have a definition for you on the screens. General revelation is God's clear display of his glory and power in the works of creation. That's general revelation. Let me give you a really easy example of this. Here's a picture I took uh, at the beach. Sunset. You've all been in this situation. Beautiful sunset, right? And and this this photo doesn't do it justice. That sunset was incredible. And you look up and you see that sun setting, what God's painting in the sky, and you say, wow, God's amazing. I mean, the, the heavens speak of his glory. We've all had that experience. Well, this is the idea of general revelation. General revelation is God's content, his general content to a general audience. And God communicates his existence, his power, and his glory through creation. You've been to the the Grand Canyon. You've seen the sunsets or the sunrise, right? It's amazing. There's a sense of general revelation where God speaks to his glory through that. But then there's special revelation. Special revelation, this is the announcement from God that tells us the way of salvation and what it means to live in a manner that pleases Him. And where does the special revelation come from? It comes from His Word, chiefly. We have special revelation from the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit empowering us to see God in the Scriptures. And so these magi and their experience of finding jesus paints a really really interesting and i think compelling picture for us about what it means to seek and find god you know we can we could see god in the world they saw him through the star they could they could find him but they could only get so far it was the scriptures that had to lead them. the word of god which spells out the means of salvation jesus christ and i would say this worldly wisdom cannot lead us where the Word of God can. What are you listening to? What are you you filling your head and your heart with? Listen, the Word of God can lead you places that nothing else can. God's special revelation to us. We have a great picture of it here with these two. And so, not only do we have to ask the question, you know, are you seeking, are are you opposing, are you ignoring God? But where are you ignoring him in his word? We got some blind spots. I've got them. You've got them. How are we ignoring what God has us to do from his word? This special revelation that we have of the work and life of Jesus and how we're to live for him. It's an important question to consider. I love that the Magi found him not just through the star but through the prophecy revealed in the word. Let's read our Bibles. Let's be a people who dig into the word and, and take advantage of this special revelation we have. Then we get, of course, to the final verses that we were reading this morning, verses nine through 12, where, where we get a sense of this most famous part that we're familiar with, the gifts that are presented to the baby Jesus. Listen to the scriptures. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, Until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of myrrh I'm sorry, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God was really speaking to these these guys. And they, of course, present the three famous gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I want to make this clear. These are not random gifts. Some of you are in random gift mode right now because you haven't done your shopping. You're going to be at Target in the $5 aisle trying to buy whatever you can get your hands on to give to your coworker. These are not random gifts like that. You know, listen, anything in God's economy... Has meaning and these gifts even these gifts that are presented to the baby jesus have meaning they speak to who he is let's look at them really quickly one at a time there's the gold first of all okay and the gold of course still today is something that speaks to opulence you know if we were to go to the home of someone who has mega millions we'd probably find that they have some precious metals in their home like gold They have gold fixtures. They have golden lamps. It speaks to a a sense of opulence, right? But it also speaks to deity. Particularly in these times that we're reading about in the Scriptures, that gold as a gift spoke to someone being deity. It's a unique gift. It spoke, of course, to royalty. There's even Scriptures that point to it. Let Let me give you one. You can write this down. Go back to it. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, this gift of gold points to, prophetic in the sense that it points to this one will be deity. This one will be royalty. And then we have the frankincense. Frankincense, interestingly enough, is obtained by cutting the bark of a Boswellia tree. A Boswellia tree, no, 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 uh, relation to the Steelers kicker, I don't think. But but that bark of the tree, there's tears that are that kind of come from when you cut the bark, and they collect those tears. It's a very intri- tr- intricate process, and this frankincense is valued around the world. In fact, you can get it in an essential oil, and I hear it's just amazing. It'll change your life. Gotta love an essential oil joke. So, the, the, the priests actually use frankincense in their prayers and offering prayers for the forgiveness of people. Well, what does this remind us of? It reminds us of Jesus as our intercessor. That Jesus is the one whose life, whose intercession, whose prayers on our behalf are like a sweet aroma before the Lord. Listen to, to Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is the one who who condemns no one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You see, Jesus is interceding for us and this frankincense that's presented is a reminder of of his intercession for us, his prayers before God, before us. It's amazing. And then there's the myrrh. It gets better. There's the myrrh and, and myrrh is from a a resin, from a tree. And it's associated, this is really fascinating, to present this to a baby. It's, It's associated with suffering and death. It was actually used for embalming. What an odd gift to give a little baby. Hey, here's some myrrh. It's an embalming agent. And what does that, of course, point to for us? What did it point to in the life of Jesus? It points to this, is that he was born to die that the ultimate fulfillment of his life would be his death. Let's read in in Romans again, chapter 5. Romans 5, verse 8 says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the purpose he was born for. And these gifts that were given to Jesus, gold, frankincense, myrrh, were not just ordinary gifts, weren't random gifts, there's a purpose, and they speak to who Jesus is. He is the king. He is our priest. He's our sacrifice. Jesus is our peace. He's God. And these gifts, given in his birth, even speak to that. You know, I, I think that the life and the example of the Magi creates for us like a blueprint. You know, these Magi were seeking Jesus in faith. There are some who would say that there's no greater faith depicted in the scriptures of that than the, the Magi. What great faith they have. But not only did they seek God through faith, they sought Him through His revelation. General revelation, specific revelation. They had counsel from God's word and they found Him. They gave us a blueprint. You seek God through faith. You seek Him through his word, through his revelation to us. And they found him. I love it. And what did they do when they found Jesus? When they found the baby? It's it's really simple, but it's profound. Here's what they did. And when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they bowed down and they worshiped him. They bowed down and they worshiped him. Listen, these Magi foundly, finally found what they were looking for. They're no different than Zebulun and Naphtali. They're no different than than the people of 1984 who had lost their jobs. They're no different than those who live in 2020 and are at a lack of rest. They were seeking peace and they found what they were looking for and their response was they fell to their knees and they worshiped him. Hmm. I pray that all of us would find what we're looking for during this holiday season. And I love that they gave him these gifts, over-the-top gifts, gifts that had incredible value. They put it all at his feet. You know, there's something in there for us, and that something is that we would seek him in faith and through the revelation of his word, and then we find him that we would give everything we have to Him, and we would worship Him. The only way that any of us are going to find peace is through Jesus Christ. That is the same as it was then. It's the same as it was in the recent past, and it will always be true. It's true today. Only Jesus can bring us peace. When Jesus arrived, He brought us peace. As we close today, we're going to close with a song. We're going to sing, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And you have an opportunity to channel your inner magi and seek God and worship Him in this place. To really consider the words of the song. It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Here's what I would hope would be clear to you. That Jesus is the one who is peace and will always be our peace. My hope for all of us in 2020 is that we will know him. Let me pray for you. Oh God, we come before you, praising you, thanking you. For your son Jesus, who is the king, the one who was born, In humble estate, yet holds the highest position. King of kings, Lord of lords. Lord, we thank you for these magi who sought to see Jesus, to know him in faith. We thank you that through your revelation, both generally and specially through your word, that they found you, Lord. One example they left behind for us, Lord, that they, upon finding Jesus, worshiped him and laid down gifts before him. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would cease from ignoring you or even opposing your ways and that we would seek, find, and worship you and you alone. I pray, Lord, that even in this moment, as we stand in a moment and rise to our feet, that we wouldn't just mouth words to a song, but that we would sing these as an offering from our heart. Everything we have because of the peace that's found in the one, the Son given to us, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray all this in His mighty name. Emmanuel, God with us, no doubt. Amen.